Thank you. 
see if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. The psalmist knows and we know that God is faithful. He is true. And he says that when we seek him, we will find him. So we get to sing right now to invite him to come. And he delights in us singing.
Hey, how are you today? Hope you're doing well. Hope uh, everything's going good for you. You're staying safe and staying clean and sanitized from the sponge outlet. Our little bottles of uh, hand sanitizer. Keep putting it on your hands. Keep wiping it around. And then this cool little mask. Make sure you wear this when you go out in public. Let's uh, try to stay safe. Try to keep each other safe. If you don't do it for yourself, do it for the people around you. Just uh, let's keep the germs to a minimal. Well, I'm excited to be here with you. We started uh, a new series. It's called When the Going Gets Tough. And uh, very appropriate for where we're at right now in our world, uh, not just as a country, like when the going gets tough for us as a country and as our communities and our towns and our neighbors and, and people around us. Some of us are experiencing a little more tension than others, but um, it's there, it's in the cities, it's all, all over the place. And so what we're doing in this series is we're taking a look at some biblical individuals throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament, <clears throat> people who faced off with trials and troubles and tribulations. They, they came head to head with these things and uh, how they dealt with them, okay? Because that's the biblical way. We wanna see what God has to say about how to deal with these trials, right? That's what we're doing. Uh, some of them we're finding out and we'll find out stood boldly and stood strong and with great faith in God. And uh, even though things were crumbling around them, they just held their head up high and they kept their eyes on the Lord and they made it through with great success and others crashed and burned. They did not do well when the going gets tough. And there's a passage of scripture, James chapter 1, verses 2 to 4, that we want to look at, because this kind of sets the tone for the whole, this whole series about how we should approach what's going on in our world. Okay, here it goes. Consider it pure joy, James says. Consider it pure joy, brothers and sisters, that's all of us, whenever you face trials of many kinds, he says, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete not lacking anything and so we know that in the midst of trials God is at work our attitude needs to be that of joy that no matter what happens God I know you got my back I'm gonna be fine through thick or thin highs or lows whatever valley or mountaintop comes my way God's got my back. I'm going to approach it with joy. Consider it pure joy. The second thing James says as we face these tough times is this. Face them head on. You're going to experience many, many trials, many kinds of trials. They are coming your way. You live on a planet and trials surround us. So face them head on. They're coming. And the third thing is we're on a journey. It's going to produce trials and tribulations and, and rough times are going to produce strength. They're going to produce perseverance. Perseverance in you is going to give you that stick to itness to keep fighting, keep fighting. No matter what happens, I'm going to keep moving forward, keep fighting. And what's going to happen is that perseverance is going to finish its work. You're going to become complete. You're not going to be lacking anything. You're going to become mature. So when the going gets tough, we keep our head on straight. We keep our eyes on the Lord and God is going to do something simply amazing in us. 
We're going to be in the book of Judges today. If you want to flip back to the book of Judges in your scriptures, we are going to dig. We're going to dig into the Word of God today. Okay? Judges, round chapter 6, 7, and 8. Great story, great character, great person that we're going to look into. And uh, I got to tell you, you know, as we begin this, uh, what's going on in Israel? Because that's who we're dealing with Israel back in the day in the Old Testament. And uh, God raises up people to fight for him and to lead the people of Israel for the Lord. So here's what's going on. Joshua, remember, Moses hands the torch on to Joshua. Joshua, at the end of his letter, he dies. He comes to the, His ministry comes to an end, and Joshua had led the troops to take over the promised land, and now they're, they're occupying their parts of the territory in the promised land. And uh, so Joshua dies, and Israel uh, served the Lord during the time of Joshua. It's interesting that the Bible says that, that Joshua led well, and the people of Israel served the Lord. They took over the land, they did what God told them to do finally, and now they're experiencing like God's power and work among them. It's a good time. The book of Judges begins with, with Joshua's death, in Israel asking God, who will lead us? God, like Joshua's gone. Lord, who is going to lead us? The Canaanites, who are surrounding territory and, and enemies, and the Perizzites are constantly at war against Israel. And so they're, they're picking on them, they're pushing on them, they're threatening them, they're attacking them. All kinds of things are going on. And there is a lot of war and fighting and turmoil in the land as they continue to take over the promised land. In chapter 2, verse 16, the scripture says in Judges that God raises up some judges. He raises up people to lead Israel. And, and these, these judges, their primary task was to help the people of Israel keep their eyes on the Lord and to fight against the enemies. The scripture calls them the Raiders, not the Oakland Raiders, but the Raiders, the Raiders from around them that are coming up against them. And here is a problem that we constantly see throughout the Old Testament history of Israel. Israel, again, does evil in the eyes of God, and they're disobedient, and, and they, they begin to worship uh, false gods from around them idolatry creeps in and they begin to take their eyes off of the Lord. It's a reoccurring phrase in the book of Judges is this phrase. Once again, Israel did evil in the eyes of the Lord. A reoccurring phrase. It could be a reoccurring phrase of our country as well or probably any country. Because so quickly, or even our home, or, or our lives, so quickly are we to take our eyes off of the Lord and turn to the things of the earth. So here's what's going on. Remember Adam and uh, Abraham, Sarah, the, the, the early, uh, the early uh, fathers of old, Isaac and Jacob and, 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 uh, and Esau and, and Israel and all of the old history from from years gone by shortly after Adam and Eve generations later Abraham then we went through uh, Israel's enslavement in Egypt remember they they're enslaved in Egypt for a number of years 400 years and they're beat down 
but they're still God's people. And then God raises up Moses, remember, and Joshua, and Moses goes in and he leads the people out of Israel or out of Egypt, and they head to the promised land. And Joshua is the one who leads them into the promised land. And then in the next period of time in the Old Testament, what God does is he raises up judges judges to lead the people and there's a number of judges that that come before the judge that i want to talk about so one of these judges his name is othniel othniel and othniel led the people well the scripture says and the people of israel during his time of judge experienced a time of peace 40 years of peace now that's that's a good period of peace the next judge his name was Ehud, Ehud, Ehud was this southpaw. He was a lefty, right? He was a Rocky Balboa kind of guy. And he was able to um, have a private meeting in the presence of, of the king of Moab. And the king of Moab, the Moabites, were part of the groups that were attacking Israel, constantly picking on them. And so Ehud, he said, oh, king, in his presence, he said, yo, king, I have a message for you from God. I've got this message, king, for you from God. And so the king stands up, and he's like getting excited because Ehud, who's the judge of Israel and a spiritual person, is, is in his presence, and he's got a message from God. And what Ehud does is he's the guy that reaches in. He's a left-handed, so he reaches onto his right thigh, and he pulls out his sword, double-edged sword, and he buries it into the belly of the king. He pulls out the sword and he sticks it in his belly so much that this king was a fat king, the Bible says. And the fat of the king just kind of like sucked in around the handle of his sword. And he just left it in there and he escapes. And the Lord gave, the scripture says, the Moabites into Israel's hands. It's always the Lord who, who, who gives them to Israel. It's always God fighting for Israel in spite of the uh, disobedience of the people. God raises up a king God, or a, a judge or a king, and then God uses that king to bring the people back to himself. And God is patient over and over and over. We see this happening in the Old Testament. And the scripture says, with Ehud, they experienced a time of peace for eight years. The next judge is Shamgar. Shamgar gets one verse in the Bible, okay? And this is what Shamgar did. He struck down 600 Philistines with an ox goad, and the scripture says he too saved Israel. Now, he went, what, what, what Shamgar did was he went all Rambo uh, on these people. 600 Philistines he struck down but Rambo uses, uses usually a machine gun. This is what uh, Shamgar used. It's an ox goad. It's basically a staff, a long staff with a point at the end used for prodding the oxen to get them to go, to move, or to go in a certain direction. He takes that thing and he goes Bruce Lee on 600 Philistines and he destroys 600 Philistines. You have to think these were men with spears and swords and stuff. And he takes his staff with a point on it and he destroys 600. 600, 600 of the Philistines. And so, and so uh, Shamgar 
It says they experienced a time of peace as well. The next judge is Deborah, a woman. Deborah is the next judge. And Israel does evil again. Uh, and, and Deborah gets two chapters in the Old Testament, the scripture shares with us. And, and what we find out is that with, in Deborah's reign, something about a tent peg uh, going through like the driven through the temple of an evil king and pinning him to the ground, killing him. And then God giving that evil raiders into the hands of Israel once again. And, and in, uh, in, in the book of Judges, Deborah sings this song. It's a chapter long. And Israel has peace for another 40 years. Great story. We come to chapter 6, and again, again, Israel does what? Israel does evil, evil in the eyes of the Lord. One more time. Here they go. Back to doing evil. It's amazing how quickly we forget to honor God and to worship God. As soon as trials come, as soon as hardship comes, so quickly do we forget and do we question. So for seven years, the, the Midianites are beating up on Israel. It's the surrounding uh, raiders. They're beating up on Israel to the point that the people are going off and they're hiding in the mountains, in the cliffs of the rocks. And they're, they, whenever they plant a crop, the Midianites come in and destroy the crop. And, and so what's going on here is they're just being bullied by the surrounding nations once again. And what the Midianites are doing is they're killing their crops. So what they're trying to do is just kill them slowly of starvation. It's like a slow punishing death to Israel. And so they're being picked on, they're being bullied, their crops are being destroyed, their animals are de uh, being destroyed. And the scripture says that the, the Midianites are as numerous as swarms of locusts. In other words, there's so many of them, they cannot be counted. That's how many Midianites are, are, are attacking and swarming Israel. Like, like there's huge amounts of soldiers and warriors and uh, and they oppress Israel for a lot of years we come uh, to chapter 6 and uh, Israel turns to the Lord so check this out Israel turns to the Lord in chapter 6 verses 7 to 10 look what it says when the Israelites cried out to the Lord because of the Midianites because of Midian he sent them a prophet who said, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I brought you up out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. I rescued you from the hand of the Egyptians, and I delivered you from the hand of all your oppressors. Right? Over and over and over again. I drove them out before you, and I gave you their land, the promised land. Right? I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you live. And then look what God says, but you have not listened. I hope if anything sticks in our brains today, it will be this. It'll be consider how faithful God is to us, to you. And then think about our faithfulness to God. When God has to say to his people, I've done a lot for you, but you have not listened. How sad is that? How sad is that? And so Israel begins to turn to God. They've done wrong. 
But God is going to raise up a man, and his name is Gideon. He is the fifth judge of, uh, of Israel in the period of the judges. He is the son of Joash. And some have said that Gideon, it's been called a lot of things, but one of the things Gideon is, is a reluctant warrior. He, he's kind of like a Samson, you know, big, strong. I mean, he's a, he's a beast, Gideon, as far as what it seems in the scriptures, how, how it talks about things that he does, we're going to look into. So he's like a Samson, <clears throat> but he's constantly like hiding in the shadows. Like he's, he's not very a confident guy. He wants to fight for God, but he's just a little nervous and reluctant about it. Maybe like you, maybe a little bit like me. And so God raises up this Gideon. And look what it says, Judges 6, 11, 12. The angel of the Lord came and he sat down. This is the angel of the Lord sits down under the oak in Ophrah. This is where Gideon is from. That belonged to Joash. So the tree is on Joash's, Gideon's father's property. The Abizrite, uh, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it, it says, from the Midianites. So, so first time we are introduced to Gideon, he is, he is trying to, um, to, to uh, he's at the wine press trying to keep this fruit away from the Midianites so they don't destroy it and take it and dump it on the ground. And so that's where he is. And the angel of the Lord comes to him there. And when the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. So even though Gideon turns out to be a reluctant warrior, God refers to him as a mighty, mighty warrior. And so God comes knocking on Gideon's door. God appears to Gideon. God goes after Gideon. Gideon is just going about life, hopefully the best he can as a faithful follower of, of, of God, of the Lord. And, and God appears to him, and he, he has a special task for Gideon. And look what happens. Gideon's response is a little bit revealing as well. Look what Gideon says. The angel just said, mighty warrior of God's, the Lord is with you, and he's now gonna, he's now gonna approach Gideon to take on a mission. Look what Gideon says, pardon me, my Lord. Gideon replied, but if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all the wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hands of of Midian. And so what we see here is a period of time has gone by. God hasn't done crazy miraculous things in the life of Gideon yet, or even in this generation, but they have been told about the things that the Lord has done in the past. And so their expectation of what God has done and what God does is high. But for them, they just see they just see the oppression of the surrounding nations on all sides just coming up against them and they feel oppressed like like we are being beat up constantly where is this god of israel and and it's a legitimate question you know that's 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 a that's a, a legit question to ask like like we don't see the protection of god but remember 
The problem here is not with God. The problem is the people don't listen to the Lord. And so the Lord says, fine, have it your way. You don't want to walk with me. You don't want to honor my truths. You don't want to live according to the ways that I have laid out for you as, as people, as mankind. Then, then fine, have it your way. But don't come complaining to me when things fall apart or when you get beat up on, or when, when, when those around you begin to, to, to come up against you. You have abandoned God. God has not abandoned you. And so what happens is in verse 14, the Lord assures Gideon that he's still there. Okay, look what it says. The Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength that you have and save Israel out of the Midianites' hands. Am I not sending you? And so when God says, look, I'm sending you, I'm calling you, he's also saying, I am with you. I will be with you. And so Gideon says, pardon me, my Lord. Gideon replied, but how can I save Israel? Again, a little more doubt on, on Gideon's part. My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. We don't have a chance, Gideon is saying. We don't have a chance. I look around and I see what we got. And I look around at the swarms of the Midianites and their mighty warriors. And they come in here and they crush our land. And they, they treat us like a bunch of punks. We don't have a chance when I consider who we are. How, how amazing is this moment for Gideon because he realizes he will never accomplish anything on his own. It's going to take a miracle. And so the stage has been set for a miracle of God. And look what happens. The Lord answered, I will be with you. And this is a promise of God. And you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. Now that, that's a promise you can bank on, you know? If there's only one of you and thousands of others, but the Lord is on your side, you are like David with a slingshot going up against Goliath and all the Philistines. God only needs one faithful person who will put their hope and their trust in him to do mighty, mighty works through. That's it. Forget about what everyone else is doing. Forget about what everyone else is saying or thinking or what they follow or what they put their allegiance to. You keep your faith in God. And no matter where you live, what part of the world you're in, no matter what it looks like or how defeated it may seem to be at the moment, if the Lord is on your side, you have the greatest advantage of anyone. And that's what we see in this story with Gideon. And so the Lord says, you're going to destroy them, not leaving one of them alive. And so what happens is Gideon then does something that I would never recommend. He asked God for a sign. He does this more than once, but he asked God for a sign. And, and God goes along with it for, for now. He goes along with this doubtfulness of Gideon. And so what, what happens is Gideon prepares a meal. The angel of the Lord under the tree tells him, go get some goat meat, put it on this rock, you know, set it up here, uh, like make a feast and set it on this rock. And then what happens is he does that. He, he gets the goat meat, he gets some bread and he gets some broth and he covers the, the meat with broth. He pours it on it. And the angel of the Lord 
touches the meat with the staff that is in his hand and fire flared from the rock, consuming the feast. And as soon as that happened, the angel was gone. And so Gideon's standing there looking at this burnt offering to God that he prepared as a meal and a feast. And the angel's no longer there, but he's just had this encounter with God. And he has to decide, what am I going to do now? What am I going to do next? What is my next move? And I, and I got to tell you, that's my, that's my decision every moment of my life, and that's yours. What am I going to do next? What has happened in the past is history. What is happening in this moment is now. And what am I going to do next? What does God want me to do next? That's the best question that any one of us could ever ask. God, what do you want me to do? And just be faithful in the next moment. That's all you have to worry about. Forget about next year. Forget about what's going to happen in 10 years from now. Just be faithful to God in the moments that you have right this moment. Wow, would you look at that. Time flies when you're having a ball. We're going to end it right here, and we're going to continue next week. When the going gets tough, we're going to find out what happens with Gideon and, and what God does in his life and how that could apply to us. We hope to see you next week. God bless you. Be safe. And keep your eyes on Jesus.